Welcome to the 247th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are an overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, a review of the Super Bowl, our weekly look at the NBA, and our weekly look at college basketball action. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website. That's 4thand24.com. And we will start with Patrick's NBA weekend predictions, where he went one and three. In college basketball, conversely, Patrick went three and one. And in the NFL, i.e. the Super Bowl, Patrick went one and zero with his prediction. That means he had a five and four week, and it brings Patrick's overall record to one thousand and two. Got over the one thousand uh, correct pick plateau today or this week. One thousand and two and six hundred and forty-one. That's a sixty-one percent winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Um, I thought it was a relatively good week. Um, the NBA was kind of a shock, honestly, with the games I got wrong, but I, I forgot to factor in that the Nuggets were coming off a back-to-back, and I got that one wrong. Um, the other game I got wrong, or the other two games I got wrong in the NBA, um, were the Mavericks beating the Thunder by 35, which was definitely a big surprise, um, at least by the margin. I knew it would be a close game, but that, or I thought it would be a close game, I should say, um, but I didn't know the Mavericks were going to blow out the Thunder. I definitely thought they had a chance to win, but didn't think they were going to. Um, the Pacers beat the Knicks 125 to 111. Uh, that one really just felt like it was a close game. Thought the Knicks could keep their momentum going, but the Pacers were able to beat them. And finally, the only one I got right was the Celtics beating the Heat 110 to 106. That one was kind of an easy prediction, but there weren't that many great games this weekend, especially because of the Super Bowl. They basically had every team playing one matchup on. Friday or Saturday, and then calling it a weekend. Um, there were only two two games on Sunday, and that meant that the slate was a little bit limited in terms of good games to pick from. Um, in college basketball, it wasn't quite the slate from last week, but there were still some entertaining matchups, um, some rare matchups, obviously, with Gonzaga playing Kentucky in the middle of the season, which was just weird. But uh, starting with that game, that was the one I got wrong. Gonzaga went on the road and beat number 17, Kentucky 89-85. Uh, I have my thoughts and opinions on that Kentucky team, but I won't say them right now. I'll leave that for later. Uh, Michigan State beat number 10, Illinois, 88-80. to It's a good win for Michigan State that they need. They need some signature wins uh, for their tournament resume, and that is definitely one of them now. Uh, number four, Kansas beat number 13, Baylor, 64-61. to That was a good win for the Jayhawks at home. Uh, and then you have number 22, Utah State, who beat Boise State, 80-61. to uh, They're now in sole possession of first place in the mountain West, which is a big deal because there was a three-way tie and it was, it's just a mess at the top of that conference, honestly. Uh, but Utah state has emerged from the bunch uh, on top for now. Um, and then as we all know, by now the chiefs beat the Niners 25 to 22 in overtime. I had that being uh, a chiefs win by the score of 24 to 20. So I was pretty close on the score as well. Um, so pat myself on the back for that one. Um, although I definitely did not expect overtime and, uh, yeah, it was a good game, and we'll talk about it in a second. Yeah, so uh, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted, as always, on our website, 4thand24.com on Thursday. Let's pick up that conversation about the Super Bowl um, and talk about that 25-22 Chiefs win in overtime. Well, I think we are stuck in the same part of the 49ers cycle that we always get stuck in. Um, they spent all year trying to convince themselves that Brock Purdy was good enough with as ridiculous as, as a roster elsewhere that they have. Um, 
that he was good enough to win it all. And, you know, just like Jimmy G, he just wasn't. Um, I don't think that this game was all on him. I think if you heard some of the quotes about the overtime rules, it seems like the Chiefs were a lot more prepared uh, than the Niners were for some, for certain situations, and that showed. But I also just think that, you know, the Chiefs' defense got better. Um, it's really crazy to think that this team actually won the Super Bowl probably as a result of its defense, just clutch turnover forced after turnover uh, in the red zone, especially on that first possession of the game. The Niners could have been up a lot at the half. They could have been a lot at the, up a lot at the end of the first quarter. Um, but, you know, after Mahomes' interception, uh, they forced a three and out for the Niners when literally they needed two or three yards to be in field goal range, and they forced a few um, tackles for loss. And instead, the Niners had to punt on, I think, a fourth and nine or fourth and eight. Um, that was a big deal in that game as that opened up the second half. Um, and, you know, it was only 10 to three at the half when you could argue the Niners should have been up more because they went into the red zone on their very first possession, driving down the field so easily. And then Christian McCaffrey fumbled, which is very, very rare. Only his third fumble of the year, despite, I don't know, a billion carries um, this season. So, yeah, there were some surprising results there, but really credit to the Chiefs defense for being disruptive. Um, I think that was the key to the game that at this point, not a lot of people are talking about because Mahomes ended up winning Super Bowl MVP and kind of showing up in the second half, uh, same as Kelsey. But look, if the Chiefs defense didn't hold the Niners offense down there, they had no chance in this game. Uh, they forced the Niners to kick so many field goals. Um, they forced turnovers in key situations. Like I said, they were pressuring Brock Purdy and making him miss throws even when they didn't get home and get sacks. Um, and really, just because of that, that's why the Chiefs won the game. Uh, and that's been the case all year long. Their defense has come up strong. Uh, it's one of the best defenses in the league, which is just so, I mean, I don't want to use the word funny, but it's kind of ironic that the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl basically on the back of their defense um, after, you know, all of the offense-only teams that they had for a few years. Um, but now at this point, it's all about carrying that forward. I, I think, you know, Anytime you have Patrick Mahomes and you have a defense like that, you have a chance. Uh, they definitely, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to bring Chris Jones back. Um, they've, you know, that's a whole other discussion. Plenty of teams are going to be losing plenty of players. So it'll be an interesting conversation again next year, but we'll see what the Chiefs can do to replace their production going forward. And we'll see if the Niners, um, I mean, I, I don't think they're moving on from Brock Purdy. I don't even need to say we'll see if they stick with him. They're going to stick with him, but um, it, it feels like this could just be Jimmy G 2.0. Um, and it'll be interesting to see in the in maybe not the near near future, but in a few years, if Brock Purdy's still around or if they're looking for someone who can really put them over the edge um, and and give them top elite quarterback play. Um, but for now, it's the Chiefs with the title again, the Niners with another Super Bowl loss um, and Andy Reid uh, will. <laughs> lead that team on a quest for a three-peat next year. Um, and I will say, as much as people want to talk about Mahomes being the GOAT and all that stuff, it's a little too early. Um, he's 28. We can we can let that one be for a little bit. He still needs to win a few titles to catch up to Tom Brady, obviously. Um, I will say, I do think he will eventually get there where he'll have enough accolades that it will it will be obvious that he is the greatest of all time. But at the same time, people... People might have said that with LeBron, not knowing that, you know, the Golden State Warriors dynasty was going to start out of nowhere. Um, 
and become a juggernaut that stopped him from winning a title for three out of four years when he went to the final. So it, you never know what can happen. You can't project that far into the future. I think Mahomes is on the right trajectory for it. And I think three titles is already enough to at least put himself directly in that conversation, at least second all time. But, um, you know, he already has more playoff wins than Peyton Manning was the stat being thrown around. Um, but, you know, he's only 28. He can't be the GOAT quite just just quite yet. Tom Brady has far too many titles um, for that. But Mahomes will probably get there eventually. He probably only needs one or two more titles to convince the masses that he is the best of all time. And the Chiefs, well, they have him for the foreseeable future, and it seems like that is their formula. Mahomes, Kelsey, get a real defense. Um, and that's their way forward as long as Andy Reid is on that staff and as long as the rest of the personnel is okay, they should be fine. Yeah, I got to feel good for Andy Reid, who for a long time, people forget, he was the best coach who never won a Super Bowl. So uh, feel good for him. Uh, and I agree with you what you're saying about Mahomes. The only challenge, I think, is that the AFC is a gauntlet. Um, so getting to the Super Bowl is going to be going to be hard, but they've got the talent to do it. And I guess my last comment is everybody's talking about Shanahan's decision to uh, to take the ball in overtime. Um, we I talked about it immediately when it happened. Being a college football fan, everybody knows the rules. The person who should be most thankful for that blunder is, I don't know his name, um, whoever San Francisco's right tackle is that let Jones go unblocked on third down. They had a touchdown. Uh, sure touchdown San Francisco did. And inexplicably, the best player on Kansas City's defense, somebody missed his assignment on it on that third down in overtime before they kicked the field goal. But um, what started is probably the sloppiest game and didn't even look close to a Super Bowl. It looked like a, you know, second tier college game in the beginning with all the mistakes. Turned out the last hour was probably the most entertaining uh, hour of consecutive Super Bowl action ever. So uh, really enjoyable. Don't know if you have any more thoughts on it, Patrick. Um, if you do, love to hear them. If not, we'll turn our attention to the NBA. And hearing nothing, we'll turn our attention to the NBA with the most impressive teams of last week. Starting with the Mavericks, who went 4-0 last week. They beat Brooklyn, the Knicks, OKC, and Washington. Um, they're currently surging in the standings while they're on a very, very long winning streak, I think of five games so far. Uh, evidently, all it took was Kyrie coming back for this team to really get back on track. They're now at eighth in the standings, um, but they're only one game back of the Pelicans who currently hold the five seed. There is a pileup of four teams um, at fifth through eight with uh, the Pelicans, the Suns, the Kings, and the Mavericks, um, all within a game of each other. And then also for the first seed in the West, there are four teams who are within, I think, one and a half or two games of each other. Um, so the West is crazy right now. There's basically just two giant groups of teams. Um, they're likely to be the playoff teams, frankly, uh, but there are still some worthy challengers um, beyond that, and I'll talk about one of those in a second. But look, the Mavs also just embarrassed the Thunder, like I said. They beat them by 35. I don't think anybody saw them going on the road and winning by 35. Definitely winning the game wasn't out of the realm of possibility, but by 35 is just insane. Um, against a really, really good team, one of the best teams in the league. And then you have the Golden State Warriors who beat Philly, uh, Indy, Phoenix, and Utah. Uh, they're finally back above 500. Their wins over the Suns and the Pacers were big tone setters for the week and proved that, you know, they could still be a dangerous team when they're clicking. Um, Jonathan Kaminga has probably become the second biggest scoring threat and arguably the second best player on this entire roster, which kind of came out of nowhere. But, I mean, he was a lottery pick for a reason. Um, and Draymond is back to kind of hold everything together now that he is multiple weeks removed from his suspension. And it feels like they've kind of figured out what the rotations are, who's playing when. Um, the one factor that they really just need is just Clay Thompson to be consistent. He's had 
good games here and there, but he has had a really, really rough season. Um, and if he doesn't play at a consistent level, it's going to be hard for this team to really advance very far in the playoffs. They can only go so far if Steph is kind of the guy carrying them. Uh, and we saw that on Saturday in that game against the Suns where they needed him to hit a buzzer beater, even though he was on fire the entire game because really no one else was doing that much. Um, but the Warriors for now, they're looking good, but uh, you never know when it can go sideways with them. They've kind of done this for the whole year at this point. Um, then you have the Celtics. Look, uh, they beat Atlanta. They beat Washington. They beat Miami. They played against a slightly weak schedule, um, which means this, the, the 3-0 week, is exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, however, you know, got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, and they were only they were one of the only three undefeated teams in the league this week. So they made their way onto the list despite basically just holding serve um, against a pretty weak schedule. Uh, but then you have the Pistons. They went 2-1 and one this week. Yes, the Pistons are on here. Um, they beat Sacramento and they beat Portland. They lost to the Clippers. Uh, this has to be one of the first times in the season that they've been uh, that they've had a winning record in a week. Um, if not, it is the first time. Maybe I feel like that. No, that was the Spurs who started out the season three and two. So I think it is the Pistons' first winning week. Uh, my favorite stat about them currently is that they're four and six in their last ten games, meaning that half of their total wins on the season have come in those ten games because they're eight and forty-four. Um, so. <laughs> Out of all 52 wins, uh, half of them have come in a fifth of the season uh, in the last few weeks here. And while it, you know, it initially sounds ridiculous to say, but they're actually playing pretty quality basketball right now. Um, they had a chance to beat the Clippers and have a three and a week. Um, they got outscored, I think, by 10 or 11 points in the fourth quarter, and they only lost by six. So they actually had a chance. I think they had a three or four point lead going into the fourth quarter um, before the Clippers came back in that one. So. Surprise, surprise, the Pistons have uh, kind of woken up after the trade deadline. It's it's funny that apparently getting rid of the vets is exactly what they needed to do. Um, some of the young guys really showing their stuff right now. Cade Cunningham obviously has been the leader of that team all year long, but Jaden Ivey is starting to show out in the minutes. He's getting more opportunities for a bunch of other players um, on that team. Uh, so the Pistons kind of bringing it together. We'll see if uh, any momentum in the next year really helps. I don't, I don't think that'll do that much, but... You never know. The Thunder kind of came out of nowhere this year also. So maybe if the Pistons nail their draft pick this year, which might be the first pick, um, maybe they can get something going. Yeah. Although if they keep playing at this rate, it might not be the first pick. All right. Let's move to some teams uh, that are trending downward with the least impressive teams of the last week. Well, I will say I want the Pistons to get the number one pick because the lottery did screw them over a few years ago. Um, so, <laughs> or last year, actually. So I think, I think they might get the lottery regression back to the mean and they might uh, they might get lucky even if they're not the worst team in the league. Um, but the least impressive teams of the week will start with the Knicks. They went one and three this week. Um, they lost to Dallas, Indy, and Houston. They beat Memphis. You know, the Knicks, like a few other teams who we'll talk about in a second uh, on this list, they, they've had plenty of wins in a row. So it's just kind of a regression that, you know, should have been expected uh, sooner or later. The way they lost the Rockets arguably could remove them to the, from this list because they should have gone two and two. Um, but the one and three record is what it is. Obviously, I'm referring to the call missed by Ed Malloy that he even corrected himself on in the pool report immediately after the game uh, in a game that they lost by two. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they should have gone two and two, frankly. But you know what? They're still fourth in the standings ahead of the Sixers. Um, so they should feel pretty good about where they're currently sitting at in the East. Uh, then you have the Rockets. Their one and three week should not have them feeling good about where they are in the playoff race. 
Um, they lost to Indy, Toronto, and Atlanta. And they did beat the Knicks, but they're rapidly slipping out of the playoff race. They are three games back of the Warriors for 10th um, with the added buffer of the Utah Jazz, a, a game and a half ahead of them uh, in 11th. Houston just isn't ready to compete in a loaded Western Conference with their current roster, and I think it's starting to show. Um, the 10 teams that are currently in the picture are, in my opinion, by far the most talented rosters. Um, and I think they'll build even more separation as the team goes on. And, it, you know, it, it's no offense to the Rockets and the Jazz. They're young teams. Um, but I just don't see how, I mean, you could argue that out of all the duos of the top two teams, you could argue that Steph Curry and Jonathan Kuminga is the worst duo that's leading a top team. And we're saying Steph Curry is in that conversation. If not, it, you could even argue it's De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, who could both, who should both be all-stars. Um, the West is just, it's too good. Like one of, you know, the Mavericks and the Lakers are in play are in play in range right now. And they're led by Luca and Kyrie and then LeBron and AD. Like it, you need to go no further than that. No offense, but Fred Van Vliet is not exactly the caliber of the guys who are leading the other great teams in the West. And same thing goes for Utah as well. Um, so, you know, they might have second tier stars on their roster. Um, they might, they definitely have a bright future because they are young. Um, but I don't think they're ready to take the Thunder type jump just yet where they really, really compete. Uh, that might be a next year thing for the Rockets. Um, but look, the Thunder, uh, speaking of them, they are third on this list. Uh, they lost to Utah and Dallas. They beat Sacramento. Um, they're only on this list because they're the second seed in the West. You know, high expectations come with high responsibilities. Um, and only beating a Kings team that isn't in its best form right now isn't the greatest week um, for OKC. I also factored in the margin of that loss to Dallas. There were a lot of one and two teams, a lot of one and two teams in the West. I uh, consider putting the nuggets on here as well. Uh, actually everybody, but the Timberwolves in that little top four group um, went one and two this week. So all of them were candidates to be on here. I ended up though with the thunder and then also with the Clippers, um, the Clippers lost to new Orleans and Minnesota. They did beat Detroit, but you know, they're on here for the same reason as the thunder are when you are a good team with high standards, you get judged as such. Uh, no real complaints with this team as they're just kind of progressing back down to earth like the Knicks were after a really long um, hot streak. But almost losing to the Pistons could have made this week astronomically bad uh, for the Clippers, who are still trying to fight for the number one seed in the West. All right, well, that wraps up our look at the NBA. Let's finally turn our attention to the week in college basketball. Well, I will start with number one, UConn, who beat Butler 71-62. Uh, to that was going to be a tough game for Butler to win, but at the same time, it could have been a signature win uh, for them. Could have been really a resume-defining win for a team that is uh, firmly on the bubble but has a lot of things going for it. Uh, tough schedule, uh, good record against that schedule, but you know, still in the end fighting for their spot. Um, it'll be an interesting discussion with the Big East. I think I have five teams in the Big East that are currently on the bubble, so they kind of control um, the picture of college basketball. Whoever Whichever one of those teams can pull off the most upsets against uh, UConn, Marquette, and Creighton, um, and who really who can beat UConn is probably going to just determine who's in the tournament, honestly. Um, and if none of them can, then it opens the door for a lot of other teams from a lot of other conferences. Um, then you have Clemson. They beat number three, North Carolina, 80-76. to 76. It was looking like Clemson was uh, on a downturn for a little bit, maybe trending towards the bubble. Um, but their non-conference schedule has held up their resume really, really well. Despite a 6-6 six and six record in conference, their win over TCU, uh, a win over Boise State earlier in the season that at, a, at some point might have looked meaningless, but now looks 
pretty good. Um, you know, they had a strong non-conference. They beat South Carolina at home also, which, I mean, South Carolina was, you know, picked last in the SEC in the preseason. So when you looked at this team's non-con at the beginning of the season, you said, wow, that is a weak, weak schedule. And then now that we're later in the season, South Carolina is a top 15 team in the country. Um, they've only lost three times, and one of those was to Clemson. So their non-conference has carried them in a way like no one thought it would, and now they finally have that big, big, big signature win uh, on their resume. So Clemson um, coming in, I put them in my personal top 25 this week. They've definitely gone from uh, nearing bubble range to pretty close to a lock for the tournament at this point in the six or seven seed range um, as we speak, as long as they don't really, really mess things up in the last six or seven games here. Uh, then you have number 13, Baylor, who beat number 23, Texas Tech, 79 to 73. Uh, a good win for Baylor. Really hard to beat them on the road. Texas Tech, not one of those teams that's going to pull off huge upsets over teams that are much better than them. Um, although, well, that's arguable because of what they did later in the week, but I will talk about that later. Um, then at number 14, Iowa State went on the road and beat Texas 70 to 65. Texas, they had me convinced that they were really, really really, really good um, after they had kind of a rough patch in the beginning part of the middle of the season, the beginning part of the conference season, a loss to West Virginia, um, a few other losses in conference that were expected, but at the same time, they, they needed to pick up a win at some point. Uh, they started picking up some wins. They got some over the weekend, but um, number 15, South Carolina, that's a team that never slowed down. 21-3 and three on the season now after beating Ole Miss 68-65. I, I can't explain it, honestly. I, I'm just I'm just here for the ride at this point. It's just so exciting to watch um, the South Carolina program just revive itself out of nowhere, uh, thanks to Lamont Paris, who has revived, um, you know, started off 11-21 and 21 last year, picked last in the SEC this year, and all of a sudden this team is now, they're actually in position to win the SEC um outright which is ridiculous considering you know how many great teams are in this conference tennessee auburn alabama uh, even a team like florida who was able to pull off upsets over some of those top teams but in the end right now it's south carolina who's sitting on top with a ridiculous record um computers hate this team but i still think that you know watching them play watching them play i mean they play a lot of close games i think that's the reason why metrics don't don't um like them very much they remind me very much so of my Northwestern uh, Wildcats. Um, but, you know, at some point, 21 and three is not, it's not a fraud. Like th there's no, there's no reason why you can have that good of a record and not be a good team. Um, so then you have number 18, Dayton, speaking of great records, um, beat St. Joseph's 19, excuse me, 94 to 17. They were, they were losing at the half. Then they exploded in the second half and just blew this team out on the road. Um, Dayton, you know, St. Joseph's is one of the other top teams in this conference. If Dayton can just take home, you know, maybe one or two losses in the rest of the year, excluding the one that they took later in the week, um, as we'll talk about in a second, I think they honestly are going to hold down a, their four seed in the tournament. Um, I really don't see a way that their resume could get that much worse. Their net, their, Ken their computer metrics are actually pretty good. They're not in the South Carolina trap like, um, with a good record, but bad metrics. Um, but then you have Oklahoma. They beat number 21 BYU 82 to 66 matchup of two good teams. Uh, just actually no further comment on that one. Good win for Oklahoma. Uh, then you have Nevada who beat number 22 Utah state 77 to 63. Um, a good win for Nevada who was on the wrong side of the bubble entering the week and jumped all the way from, uh, 
not necessarily out of consideration, but, you know, kind of a next in line team, not even in my next four out to in the field um, over the last week, which is ridiculous, but it happens sometimes. And they picked up two good wins to do that. We'll talk about the second one uh, in a second. But you want to talk about the opposite of Nevada, a team that fell 10 or 12 spots, at least in the rankings. Um, number 11, Wisconsin, they lost to Michigan, 72 to 68. Uh, they joined the rare list of Iowa and Ohio state of teams to lose to Michigan. Um, look, Michigan's horrible period. End of story. We know we're Michigan fans here. That team should not beat a top 15 team. However, I don't think that says anything about Michigan as a team getting better. I think it tells me that Wisconsin is overrated. And I think the poll adjusted to that this week. I think they're like 22nd or something like that. They have no business being ranked. I don't care what they did in the non-conference. They have lost four games in a row. They have eight losses on the year. There is no way there aren't 25 teams better than that. I could probably name 30, um, at least at this moment. Um, and speaking of two of those teams, you have number 12 Auburn, who beat number 16 Alabama, 99-81 to uh, Auburn putting on an offensive clinic in this one. They did not do that on Saturday, which I'll get to in a second. Um, Providence beat number 19, Creighton 91 to 87 in overtime. Uh, Devin Carter and Josh Oduro combined for like 56 or something points in this game. Devin Carter almost had a 20-point triple-double. Um, Oduro had 30 and had 30 and 10. Uh, they need those kind of wins. Providence is very, very much so on the bubble. Um, and like I said, the Big East, they control the bubble. They It's just about who can upset the good teams. This is one of those upsets that helps uh, Providence moving forward a lot. Then you have number eight, Arizona, who beat Utah 105-99 in triple overtime. Tough game. Um, hard to beat Utah on the road. I think they were undefeated at home coming into that game. But Arizona able to do it. This team has kind of stopped its inconsistencies. They're playing, they're playing some teams in the Pac-12 way too close, honestly, for comfort. Um, but Utah is one of the better teams, so this is a little bit less surprising. Um, and then you have UAB who beat number 20 FAU 76 73 in overtime. Look, FAU is going to lose games here and there. I, I, they're not they're not a quality enough team to go undefeated through the American. There are enough good teams in that conference that they're going to get tripped up every once in a while. Um, UAB on the road is one of those harder teams to play against. You know, you think about Memphis, you think about UAB, uh, Charlotte, North Texas. Those are kind of the teams that I think are in the range of teams that could beat FAU. Most of those teams actually have already beaten them. Um, but you know, they're going to take losses. It is what it is. Um, speaking of they're going to take losses, here's another team with a three-letter acronym. VCU beat number 19, Dayton, 49-47. to Again, they're going to take losses. It is what it is. Um, this one, they just couldn't get anything going offensively. VCU playing really, really well at home. Uh, they've played well over the last few weeks. Uh, they're not, I don't think they're a tournament team, but, you know, they could maybe be a bid stealer um, from the A-10 if they can play like they did. Uh, on Friday night in the tournament on defense, especially. Uh, then you have Nevada who beat number 24, San Diego state 70 to 66 in overtime. This was the second one I was talking about that propelled them into the tournament. Um, number three, North Carolina beat Miami 75 to 72, a little too close for comfort for North Carolina after that loss to Clemson earlier in the week, but nonetheless, they're still able to hold that, you know, fifth or sixth ranking uh, because of that win. Uh, number four, Kansas beat number 13, Baylor 64 to 61. We mentioned that on my predictions. Uh, number five, Houston beat Cincinnati 67 to 62. Close game, but Houston able to come out with the win there against a quality Cincinnati team. Uh, AM beat number six, Tennessee 85 to 66 to 69. Excuse me. That was a big upset. Um, that's a signature win for AM that moved them significantly 
um, up in the bracket after being squarely on the bubble. I think they're now, well, they're safe. They're in the safe for now category, you know, a few losses and here and there, and they're definitely back on the bubble, maybe on the wrong side of it. But for now, they are safe as a result of that win. Uh, number seven, Marquette beat St. John's 86-75. Good win for Marquette. Uh, St. John's tough team to play against. Uh, they've made a lot of games close. They've pulled off a few upsets, but Marquette getting that win. Uh, number eight, Arizona beat Colorado 99-79. Arizona played the two teams in the week, or sorry, the two teams in the Pac-12 this week that were supposed to be the two other tournament teams other than Arizona, and neither of them could beat them, uh, which is, you know, it's it's good for Arizona, but at, uh, at the same time, it's terrible for the Pac-12 because they probably, as a conference, the Pac-12 was rooting for Colorado and Utah to beat Arizona because they both need those wins. There aren't good teams in the conference to pick up signature wins. Um, and Arizona is the only one that's really a great win in the conference unless you beat, you know, Colorado, Utah, Washington State on the road. Um, and, you know, if you are Colorado, well, one of those isn't possible. Um, but then... Michigan State, speaking of signature wins, who beat number 10, Illinois, 88 to 80, a big win for the Spartans. Uh, Rutgers beat number 11, Wisconsin, 78 to 56. Yeah, this team not in the top 25, like I said. Um, Auburn, I said, put on a masterclass earlier in the week, but only put up 65 in their loss to Florida on the road. That's the second year in a row that Auburn has walked into uh, a road game against Florida, ranked and lost. Um, Florida, another resume-defining win by beating Auburn for the second year in a row, um, but We'll see if that works out for them this year. I think at this point, they're looking good for the tournament. They played a tough non-conference, and they did pretty well against it. Um, then you have number 14, Iowa State, who beat TCU 71-59. You can't beat them on the road. It's just not possible. Um, this team won't lose a home game this year. I I'm so convinced of that. Uh, Gonzaga beat Kentucky, as we talked about. Uh, number 19, Creighton beat Xavier 78-71. Xavier in need of wins to move themselves off the bubble, but not getting one there. Uh, number 21, BYU beat Kansas State, 72-66. to 66. Kansas State also needs wins on the bubble, weren't able to get it. Uh, number 22, Utah State beat Boise State. I've talked about that in my predictions. Uh, number 23, Texas Tech beat UCF, 66-59. to 59. Again, Texas Tech just taking care of business there. Uh, UNLV upset number 25, New Mexico, 80-77. to 77. I, I guess UNLV might be in consideration if they really, really turn it on at the end of the season. For now, they're just kind of a team that can you know, hurt their fellow conference mates metrics because um, they're good enough to pull off some of these upsets, but probably not good enough to be a tournament team. Um, and then you have number 20 FAU who beat Wichita state 95 to 82 in overtime, never seen a team win a game by 13 in overtime, but they did. Uh, and then last night, of course you had number nine Duke who beat wake Forest 77 to 69 wake Forest not quite able to pull off a desperately needed signature win. They are the team who has stayed consistently on the bubble for about a month now. Um, but not able to, they never lose games they're supposed to win. They never win games they're supposed to lose. Um, it's hard to move them up or down at any point. Um, and then you have Texas Tech who got mad about being unranked and lolloped number six, Kansas, 79 to 50. Although it's worth noting that Kevin McCullough didn't play in that game for the Jayhawks. That's a pretty important uh, piece missing for them. Arguably their best player, in my opinion, the best player on that team. So Texas Tech, uh, that's a big win for them. Metrics are going to love that because they won by 30. Um, but at the same time, you know, they were playing against a uh, depleted Kansas squad, especially when you think about the fact that Kansas really only plays six or seven players per game. Um, you take out one of the starters that's the best player on the team. That team's going to fall apart, as we've seen. But 
that's something that Kansas has to deal with going forward, and it's definitely the big weakness of that team. They have pretty much no depth whatsoever. All right, that looks uh, wraps up our look at college basketball for the week. It also wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, February 20th, where we will once again look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, have another look at NBA action, and again, review the week in college basketball. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his NCAA basketball tournament brackets that will be posted now on Mondays and Fridays, and his picks for next weekend's games that will be posted as always on Thursday. All of that content on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.